I was 382 pounds. Like I wasn't just 150 pounds trying to lose five, 10 pounds. Like I had the weight to lose. Welcome to the show where we help you make smart nutrition simple. If you want proven nutrition strategies to help you build a better body and create the energy to show up for your family without overly restrictive and unrealistic dieting, then you're in the right place. Make sure to subscribe and enjoy this episode. Chase, welcome to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple show. What's going on, dude? Thank you so much for having me. Doing well, doing really well, staying busy. Yeah. So you are a traveling nurse. Tell us a little bit about what that entails. Yeah. So I, I've been a nurse since 2015, uh, this psych nursing and then um, in um, emergency department nursing. And I started that last January. So it's been about a year now. And for the most part, it's about 13 week contracts. I mean, the, the need for nursing is so it's such a high demand right now that I can pretty yeah. much, I can pretty much like just name a spot and I have a good chance of getting in there, but I'm also not super picky. Like I don't really have much of an agenda as far as where I want to go. It's just, I produce, you know, find a good spot. So I went to Charleston, South Carolina for six months last year. And then I came out to Colorado and it's just a great way to see the country and, you know, be able to work, do things I love. Yeah. It's amazing. It sounds like it's super fun and and would just be a great opportunity to have if you're single and, and just, yep. and so <laughs> That's great, man. And so you, but you're also, you know, parlaying that with health coaching. So tell us a little bit about what that entails. Yeah. So that just started back in 2020. I started that after my own health journey. And I know we can chat about that in a little bit if you'd like to, but I got into health coaching and now I'm, you know, just working on trying to find that equal balance. I, I love coaching. I love nursing. So it's kind of like working that fine line in between the two. And, you know, I'm blessed to have a schedule with nursing that's only three 12 hour shifts a week. So it allows me four days a week to really contribute, you know, fully to coaching. I love coaching and people have asked me if I'm going to eventually leave nursing or whatnot. And, and I really don't know yet. Um, yeah. just kind of, we'll see what happens. Well, I mean, I guess the logical next step is for us to discuss what got you into coaching in the first place. And obviously you have your own health transformation. So let's dive into that a little bit and tell us about, you know, what that looks like for you. Yeah. So the really condensed version here and we can <laughs> expand if we need to, but um, I've always been the heavier kid growing up. I've always, you know, even into my teenage years, I just continue to put on the weight. I tried all the different diets, the fad diets, you name them. And just nothing ever seemed to work. I thought, you know, I was the problem that I just, you know, everyone could lose all those weight on all these diets that are out there. You know, you see the commercials for like, you know, so-and-so lost hundred pounds doing this diet. And so I feel like, oh, I can do that and lose the weight. And then if it didn't work, I felt like I was the problem, not the diet. When you were growing up, when did you know you had a, a weight problem? Gosh, it was pretty early. Um, I can't put a number or like an age on it, but it was, I mean, in my childhood, I mean, I always knew, I mean, you know, I have to buy the bigger clothes or, you know, things weren't fitting mm -hmm. right. You know, I started having those kind of like, you know, self-conscious, like body image concerns and no one in my family was ever like, you know, like, Hey, you need to lose weight. But I mean, as I started to get older, those conversations started to come up. But even before then, like, you know, I, I would get little remarks here, there from friends or maybe some family yeah. members and not out of like being mean or anything like that at all, but just like, you know, comments that, you know, oh, you know, you're getting, you're getting bigger, you know, every year at Christmas mm -hmm. time, I see family and 
it was hard to kind of hear that stuff. And I never really kind of processed it until I started to get, you know, probably into my teenage years, but definitely experienced that younger. What do you think were some of the behaviors that contributed to your weight gain when you were young? I mean, was it, you know, the example your parents were setting or the people that you, you know, the friends that you had, or just kind of the food that was in the house? Like, what do you think was the kind of the main contributors? We, we really didn't have a ton of like junk food, I'm putting air quotes, you know, in the house, but like, both my parents, I mean, they're not super healthy, but they're not like super, they didn't have a really bad weight problem like I did um, growing up. But I don't know, it really didn't take off until I started actually getting more independence myself. Um, mm. I, I, I look back and one of the times I'm just able to really identify where it started to become a big problem was like right around the time when I started to be able to drive on my own, getting the independence. You know, I could swing through any drive through I wanted. I could stop at any, yeah. any store that I wanted and and no one would have a clue that I did. Um Yeah. And I think, you know, I kind of started getting to that downward spiral that like once I felt like I was really struggling, I just to kind of heck with it and just kept eating badly. And so you obviously were, were gaining weight. How long did that happen? And when did you decide to make change? I started this health journey back in 2019. It was January 1st. Um, just prior to the new year, one of my coworkers at the time that I worked with at the mental health hospital, she challenged me to a weight loss challenge. And she was just like, you know, let's see what happens. You know, we can compete and we're like setting goals for each other and like, just trying to like make it fun out of some sort and just more accountability. And honestly, I did not think it was going to be anything different compared to any other diet I tried in the past. I thought it was just going to be like, okay, sure. Let's do this for a month and then just kind of say heck with it. Like, it's just like everything else, Yeah. but we'd stuck with it. And at that time I was 382 pounds and we got started and it just continued just uh, that first month I lost about 30 pounds. Now, a lot of that I know now was water weight and it was very inspiring and motivating for me to continue going. It's like, Oh, I'm seeing the results. And also had a ton of accountability from my friend that was challenging me, but also like once I started being a little more open about me trying to lose weight, friends and family uh, were very supportive of all of that. And I just continued to keep going. Obviously, you guys were challenging each other, and and so like, what was the the diet aspect or the exercise aspect of it that started to drive and move the needle? Yeah. So when I first started, um, speaking of like fad diets, um, I started doing intermittent fasting when I very first started this journey okay. back in 2019, just because that was like the kind of the thing on the top of my mind at the, at the moment that year yeah. was like, all right, that's going to be the thing that's going to help me do this. That was back when I thought you had to do a fad diet to be able to lose some type of weight. Um, totally. <laughs> and so it started with intermittent fasting. Uh, we were going, we were, I was doing a lot of clean eating, you know, just really cutting out any type of junk food, um, any type of like liquid, liquid calories, like soda. And uh -huh. I started going to the gym, was primarily doing cardio about 30 minutes or so, or, um, sometimes even longer, uh, about five days a week. And I started doing a little bit of strength training just with like the machines. You know, when I started the gym, they did a very, had you ever done any, uh, any, any type of strength training before? Very little bit back when I was in high school, I w went to one of the local, um, fitness centers and I had tried it a little bit, but that was one of those years that just didn't stick. And I just kind of gave up on it after a month or two. And what type of intermittent fasting were you doing? You were doing like 16, eight every day. Or? I think it was 16, eight. So then you're seeing the mo needle move like big time, 30 pounds in the first month. You're obviously feeling super motivated. I'm sure people are commenting. You're like, yeah, this is actually like working out really well. And so tell us more how the, the, the process went. Yeah. So I, um, after probably about two, three months or so, I was like, all right. So that was when I started to learn more. I started following like the right kind of people on Instagram and such and started 
really like learning more about what a calorie deficit was. And that like, that's what's required for fat loss. So it's, it doesn't require intermittent fasting or keto or weight watchers or anything special. It's like, literally, if you just count your calories and you make sure you're in a calorie deficit, you will lose weight. And so I stopped intermittent fasting because I'm a huge breakfast person. So that was already like kind of going against me, just like someone who loves carbs trying to do keto. Um, <laughs> it just wasn't totally. going for me. So I stopped with intermittent fasting and then it was about in April or so I met up with a guy on Instagram, shout out to Josh Pierce, him and I worked together um, later on that year, but we met back in April. Um, he started to kind of really give me a lot of guidance and direction as far as like what to expect next. And he started, you know, he offered his coaching services to me. And at first, you know, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing okay. So I'm, you know, needle still moving r- really fast. Okay. So what point was this and how much had you lost when you started to come to the realization, you started to follow people on Instagram, started to understand that it's more about a calorie deficit and, you know, kind of started to tune into what's really necessary. I how far into lost um, probably about 50 to 60 ish pounds by like middle March. Yeah. I mean, it was like three months and you're down about 50 pounds. That's incredible. And so do you have any idea how many calories you were eating at the time? Like with the intermittent fasting, obviously that was the, the, the way to help you restrict calories. Yeah. Um, I was, when I first started counting calories back, back in about April or so, I was actually only eating about 12 to 1400 calories a day. So now that you understand calories, what do you think you were eating prior to going on to that intermittent fasting diet? Oh, geez. (laughs) <laughs> way too much. <laughs> I mean, I obviously, yeah. yeah, I, I had a really bad binge eating history and bad relationship with food and, you know, like trying to eat in secrecy. Like I, I mean, gosh, I mean, I look back, you know, at some of the things that I would eat. It was just, it's embarrassing, honestly, but like I, I, I would go through like a McDonald's drive through and it was like two McDoubles, two McChickens, a large fry mm-hmm. and a soda. Like that was mm-hmm. a snack for me. <laughs> like that was like, Oh, I'm going to go through the drive-thru before I go home and actually have dinner. What my family's prepared for me. It was bad. It was really bad <laughs> around that time. Yeah. That's incredible that you just kind of flipped the switch and like, I'm going to make a change and and then rode with the momentum. And I'm sure there've been plenty of, of trials and tribulations in between, but, um, just getting back to kind of your, your journey so far is, you know, so we're several months in, you're seeing big changes, you're starting to really start to understand and want to learn more about nutrition. And um, you get a coach at some point. Kind of before I even got the coach. So I reached my 100 pounds lost by the end of May uh, wow. that year. So less than five that months. That is I'd, aggressive. Yeah, <laughs> I'd lost 100 pounds. So again, and this, you know, for anyone listening, like that's totally not the norm. Like, and also like, and also like to remind people, I was 382 pounds. Like I wasn't, you know, just 150 pounds trying to lose five, 10 pounds. Like I had the weight to lose. So it's going to make it a lot easier for it to come off, especially when I was doing the aggressive things I was. And I look back at them and I know they're aggressive now, but back then I just thought it was like a regular like diet and that's what I was supposed to be doing. Sure. Um, So I didn't really know that was being that aggressive at the time. So fast forward, you know, through the summer, things were still going well. And then about late summer, beginning of fall, I started really noticing plateau, so to speak. And that's when I started, you know, I was trying different, I was like, do I need to change things up? Like what's not working? And that's when my, um, that's when Josh reached out to me and he was like, Hey, like we're gonna have to, you know, get you out of this calorie deficit. Like you're, you're starting so to So you think you were to- still eating around 12, 1400 and, and things had stagnated. It's like nothing's yeah. changing. 
getting frustrated. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that was something he's like, we need to start getting out of the calorie deficit and take your body up to maintenance for just a little bit of time. Um, and he was like, you know, I, I'd love to help you through that if you, if you want to start working together. Um, and that's, so that's when I signed up to work with him was in August. Okay. You'd been in this seemingly aggressive, which obviously for you was an extremely aggressive deficit for mm-hmm. a period of time. You did fantastic progress. And so then you reach out to this coach and he's expressing like, look, you can't just stay in this deficit in perpetuity, right? Mm-hmm. You need to find a way to kind of bounce back up to maintenance. And so tell us a little bit about like, what was the impetus around that? Um, and what was that supposed to help you do? Basically, it was just to, you know, get me one feeling better again, because I was starting to you know feel tired, but I also think I was more discouraged during that time. And I'm sure like, yeah. you know, I make all the connections now and I'm sure that discouragement was becoming because I was getting tired and more stressed and my body yeah. was just like kind of giving the, all the cues, like it's time to like give yourself some more energy. So we're trying to get that biofeedback back up and getting just feeling better overall. And then also just like, and also I'm sure, I know you said like, you know, it's not that low calories and I thought it was, but you know, it's like, I, I know, I mean, it's been known when people who are in a calorie deficit for so long, most of the time adherence will start to um, lack up a little bit. And so that's, you know, one, another thing that, we wondered just like, you know, if I'm, am I actually being adherent as I first was in the beginning of the year? Probably not. And so just another reason to try right. to get, get out of that deficit for a little bit of time, um, get your metabolism going back again, you know, so you're, yes. you're able to really, you know, like this analogy, like my car is on eco mode for a little while. And it's like, if I need to get the car running full power again, I need to, you know, give it some more gas. And, yeah. and so that's when I had, I got my calories back up to probably think that time we got it up there on like 22, 2300 calories at that time. And we stayed at maintenance for a little while, not as long as you normally would at maintenance, just because, I mean, and even like when I was doing that reverse diet or increasing my calories, I was still seeing some weight loss throughout that process, actually. Right. Um, I like to explain to people, it's like, you're, you're putting more food into your body. So like you are going to have more weight. I like to explain to people, if you go stand on the scale and I hand you a bag of apples it's no difference if you're holding that bag of apples in your hands or if that bag of apples is in your belly. It's the food right. weight, not fat. So I like to it, you know, explain that that way to people of like, so during this process, like I started to lose weight, but I was also, you know, starting to level out a little bit. And once I started feeling a lot better, I started to see that like that kind of like a bigger goal in mind. And that's when I mentioned to him, I was like, hey, if we can get into another deficit in a little bit, I think I could lose 150 pounds in a year. I, mm-hmm. I think that would be possible. And he, he supported it. And he was like, you know, let, let's see, you know, cause I definitely had the more weight to lose. And, and so we did that and we continued to, we went back into the deficit and then about around like December 18th or so, um, I had lost that 150 pounds. And dude, that's so cool. Good for you. And, and so this was still of 2019. Yes. All this was the first year. Amazing. So from the time you started working with your coach and you, you obviously started to, to come to the realization that, okay, it's more about calories than it's about fad dieting per se than about mm-hmm. restricting any one food group or restricting your food timing or whatever it is. Exactly. So, so you're managing your calories. You kind of you went up to maintenance. You said 2,200 for a while. Now within that kind of maintenance, within the, the second deficit, how were you structuring your nutrition in, in terms of like, were you, were you making concerted efforts to eat really clean? Were you still allowing some flexibility and freedom as, as I like to call it within there? Like, what was it that you were toggling between? I was trying to stick with, you know, my coach always preached and I 
I think it's a very common thing. A lot of coaches, and you may you know, tell your clients this as well, like the 80, 20, you know, mm-hmm. 80% of the week or so should be, you know, wholesome, nutritious calories, you know, nutrient dense foods. And then, you know, that 20% are the fun foods that, you know, whatever you like, you know, if I can yeah. go out and have tacos with some friends. I can, you know, I'm, I'm not much of a drinker, but if I wanted to go out and have a drink with a friend, I could do that. You know, if I wanted to have, you know, if I'm going to a birthday party, I want to have a piece of birthday cake. I could do that. I, I learned that you can work those things in. And even when you're in a deficit, I mean, I think a lot of people get stuck up of like, you know, oh, well, if I, you know, go over my calories one day, then, you know, then I'm, I'm just wasting this deficit. Well, not exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're in a deficit for seven days a week and you take one day and you're at maintenance or even maybe a little above, mm-hmm. you're probably your average calories is still in a deficit. So you're not right. losing any progress there. So like I started to learn more about that. And, you know, I, I was definitely working, still making sure to work in the foods that I love. I want to make it fun and enjoyable. And psychologically, don't you think that's a necessary component in order to, to be successful long-term as otherwise, especially coming from someone that's eating a lot of junk frequently and, and enjoys doing that, you know, within reason, well, it, it, it would seem to be unreasonable to try and remove all of that, which as coming from someone who said you, you, you've dieted plenty of times in the past, I'm sure you encountered that a number of times as well. Because I think people tie the dieting into restriction. Like It's like people feel like those two things have to go hand in hand together. And once I started to realize that you can have the food you like and you know, one bad day, one bad week, you're not going to lose progress. And you know, yes, it, it's hard to get right. past that, but you know, enjoy those moments and just keep going, get back on track. So we're, we're, we're approaching 2020, you're down 150 pounds. And then what if the last couple of years looked like for you in terms of maintaining that weight, what's gone well, what hasn't gone well, and kind of where are you now? Lately, I've been, you know, really focusing a lot less on the scale and what it's doing and more on what am I capable of? What achievements can I accomplish throughout this entire um, weight loss process. And it, again, it's not just really to the weight anymore. Like I, I could honestly could care less. And to be completely honest with you and your listeners, like I've been on a scale vacation, so to speak, like being a coach. Yes. I understand the relationship behind the scale, but also being someone who used to be at the size I was, I still have my struggles from time to time. And so like when I find myself getting into those times where I'm struggling with the scale relationship, I just take a break from it and really just focus on all the other things and how I'm feeling and and it helps with getting through this process. But throughout this past couple of years, like I've done a couple of things. I went skydiving. I, you know, hiked a few like incredible hiking places that I've been like, in Colorado and like when we were in Arizona and like a couple of these places that I've just I would never imagine things I could do. That's what I've been trying to push for now. Um, and that's what gives me joy now throughout this process is just what am I capable of? And each time I find myself saying, like, I couldn't have done that three years ago. There was no way. And so that really keeps me going now. And then I also should mention, you know, I've binge eating history and I have a really hard time with that last year uh, with travel nursing. While that was amazing and I loved every bit of it and I still love travel nursing. It's been great. I've also gotten that freedom back. And this is actually mm-hmm. the first time I really kind of connected these two points. Like I know earlier I said, that I kind of gained that freedom when I was growing up and that's when it, I found myself getting into yeah. that trouble with the binge eating. And it's almost like I've gone through that new freedom again. Mm-hmm. And that's when it really tested me. I haven't really made that connection before. So just kind of like going through that. That's great, right now. man. But um, yeah, so I was really struggling with that while I was in Charleston. And when I came out to Colorado, like all the different restaurants, all the things that are available out here, like I want to try this, try that. Yeah. And 
it was hard. And that's when I started to find myself overeating again and then struggling with the binge eating. And, you know, over the last month, uh, I think today's like 31 days that I've gone now without binge eating. And I've, you know, tried to implement more things with my therapist and things that I'm just continuing to work on. You know, it's, it's a process and yeah. you just got to take it day by day. That's great, dude. Good for you. And, and such an epic journey. And I appreciate you being so candid about it because I think it's, it's just imperative that everyone understands that we all have our own respective struggles and, mm-hmm. you know, not all of us come from the position of obviously being overweight growing up, but nonetheless, is, is there's plenty of us that have our own internal battles that we're fighting and, and none of it from the outside in is ever, ever as easy as it looks like it is. And so just being straightforward like that is, is great. How do you navigate that on a daily basis? Obviously someone who, who understands the importance of, of tracking and managing calories within reason. And then at the same time is you want to have flexibility and freedom with what you can eat and enjoying yourself and living your life and not being bound by the scale is what does it strategically look like uh, kind of from a week by week standpoint um, for someone like you that wants to set themselves up for success and be able to eat what you want to eat within reason? Like, how do you manage that? Yeah. So I, I like to one, like plan ahead. Like that's what I do most of the time. If, if I'm, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm know I'm going to be going out somewhere to eat, you know, with a friend, or even if I just want to go try a new place or, you know, sometimes like every other week, I just like to go out and eat by myself and just, you know, go to one of my favorite places that's in town. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I just plan that ahead. Like when I first wake up in the day, you know, I am still counting my calories and, um, most of the days. So like I'll get up and I'll plug that in first thing. If I know I'm going to be doing that that evening, that way I, it kind of gives me a good idea of, what I have available for the rest of the day. And, and, you know, and then there's going to be times where you just have to just like really just learn to accept, like not every week's going to be perfect. Not every day is going to be perfect. I'll use this as an example. I just got back from a retreat in Florida this past weekend. And I had been tracking for a while, you know, especially since December 19th, when I like started, like, you know, I haven't been binging, binge eating since then. I really got back on the track with tracking and watching my calories, protein, such. And then when I went to Florida, I told my coach, I was like, I'm going to, take this time off of tracking, but I'm going to set new expectations for myself. Instead of tracking, I'm going to stick with three meals a day, no snacking in between, mm. protein, some type of fruit or vegetable with every meal, um, You know, drinking lots of water, didn't get to go work out while I was down there. We went from plenty of walks throughout that time. You know, If, if the bar is up here, you know, for those of you listening, like my hands are high, really high up above me. And you're going to be going somewhere where you know you can't reach that bar. Don't just throw the bar out the window. Just lower mm-hmm. it a little bit. If you lower it a little bit, you're going to be just fine. Yeah, just setting realistic expectations and saying, look, you don't have to track every morsel of food that goes in, but there's some fundamental, as we call them, pillars. Mm-hmm. There's foundational principles at place around movement, around calorie intake, around protein intake, around just fiber, volume of food, meal frequency, right? All of Mm -hmm. those types of things that are paramount that I think requires a reasonable level of commitment. And at no point are you saying, screw it. I'm just going to do whatever the hell I want to do because I deserve to just because I want to. And Mm -hmm. instead saying, you know what, I'm taking responsibility for my actions. And just because I'm not going to track and acknowledging and accepting, I don't have to track everything. I can still be successful. I can still maintain, I can still make progress depending on the person, right? Exactly. I can really appreciate that 
thought process because it's it's so necessary for people that perhaps don't want to, don't like to, or refuse to track for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, you you can be successful without tracking, but the way that my coach explained it to me when I first started tracking is like, you know, it's like trying to ride a bike. You know, the tracking is like those training wheels for the first little bit. Like mm-hmm. most people, most kids can't hop on a bike the first time without training wheels and just take off and not, you know, crash every try to take, every time they to move. So like you start with the training wheels or the tracking, you get really good at that. All right, you take the tracking away, you take the training wheels off a little bit. Okay, you crash a couple of times, you put training wheels back on to get used to it again. And you just keep building up that learning and that skill of being able to not use the training wheels or not use the tracking as much and to be able to eventually, you know, go without the training wheels or go without tracking. But yeah. you also always yeah. have those in your back pocket if you need them. No, that's great. And what I'm hearing you say is so much around listening to your body and your lifestyle and kind of observing how you're feeling at the given time and then kind of determining what's going to make the most sense for you at that given time is to say, you know what, I feel like I'm getting a little too lost in scale weight or I'm, I'm just feeling a little overwhelmed with the tracking process. I want to have and I'm accepting that with more flexibility and freedom, perhaps the scale's not going to move at all. Perhaps it's going to go in the opposite direction. And I'm totally okay with that because mm-hmm. these are the realistic expectations that I've set for myself, which I think is so important for people to allow to take place instead of just this rigidity around mm-hmm. once I lose it, it has to stay off. Otherwise, I'm, I'm cheating. I'm not successful. I'm a failure, right? All of these stories that we tell ourselves. It's so tough because I mean, I, I get both sides of it and you know, I've had the struggles, but it's like, but I think this, this new mindset of thinking this way is what has been different from now compared to every other year when I've tried to keep this weight off. And I felt like it's either restriction, no junk food, exercising every day, like this, like everything's black and white versus like, if you live in that gray area for most of the time, you're going to do just mm-hmm. fine. What I've observed and experienced with coaching clients for a long time now, and certainly going through my own personal struggles as well early on in my career of being too rigid, of being too polarizing, too black and white, is the longer you make these observations and start to acknowledge what works well for you and what doesn't, the more obviously intuitive you can be about it, the more in tune you get with your body, and the more you can give yourself permission to start to focus on just the process, just the behaviors, Mm -hmm. just the things that you know can help you continue to make progress that don't revolve around tracking and scale weight, right? Mm -hmm. As I heard you say, as you're starting to get focused more on performance-related goals, right? On on doing just fun things, on on, um, accomplishing certain hikes, right? And, mm-hmm. and being physically active. And for a lot of clients, we talk about certain performance metrics in the gym mm-hmm. and saying, listen, if we can shift the focus around you just putting the effort into performing well, fueling yourself around your workouts before and after and during and pushing hard during your workouts and making sure you're recovering effectively by virtue of doing all of those things, well, the body composition is going to take care of itself. Exactly. Right? And that's one of those things that we definitely start to observe over time and align with because kind of this law of diminishing returns around the trade-offs of how restrictive do you need to be? How long are you willing to do that? How shredded do you need to get, right, for the Mm -hmm. average person? And so often there's this tipping point of 
right? It's like, I'm making progress, I'm making progress, I'm making progress, but I'm also sacrificing along the way. And there comes a point where it's like, I just don't want to have to sacrifice more. And the perception around the goal is just not worth it, right? And it's finding that tipping point for all of us, I think is paramount. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. If you're, if you're living too far onto either side, that's, that's when you're going to get into trouble. It's like just and, and you don't always have to be dead center. Like there's going to be times to ebb and flow and that's totally fine. I would argue that it's necessary, yeah, right? Absolutely. And this is, this is one of the things we talk about frequently within our, our coaching program is having seasons of nutrition, right? It's yes. this whole obje- idea around nutritional periodization and saying, look, we are not going to diet in perpetuity, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be times where it's going to be appropriate and necessary for us to be in perhaps an aggressive dieting phase. But mm-hmm. then we need to focus on times of maintenance. Maybe we need to focus on times of surplus. Mm-hmm. When is that going to be appropriate for you? And how do we embrace that and help you understand that um, I wouldn't be doing my job if I wasn't telling you to expect that weight is going to fluctuate, that you're not going to hit your leanest and stay there, right? Mm-hmm. All of these things that are actually part of the real world struggle. Exactly. So with that said, do you ever go into effort mode? Do you ever have, and I'm assuming you do, as we all do, but do you ever have kind of meals that are just like, ah, I totally blew it on that one? And and what's the, the thought process around how you how you approach those, how you overcome those. Yeah. So that, that's a great question. And that's something I've been working on this past month. And, you know, thankfully I, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I've been a month without any of those moments um, just because I've been able to control when I when I talk about binge eating, I'm not saying sticking to my calories hundred percent of the time. Like when I went to Florida, I didn't track every decision I made while I was down there was a conscious decision. At no point did I say, you know, effort or did I hmm. just, you know, lose control. I, mm-hmm. you know, that's my big thing. It's like what differentiates, you know, just eating more calories than you're allotted for a day or binge eating is that sense of control. Mm-hmm. And, you know, throughout this entire time, I had control. I was, you know, deciding, yes, I want that instead of just saying, oh, heck with the rest of the tonight, I'm just going to go haywire and order everything off the menu and drink, you know, drink until I'm, you know, drunk as a skunk. You know, like right. I, I wasn't, focused on doing that. I was really focused on like, what can I do to keep control of this situation and in the environment that I'm in? But prior to that, when I was really struggling, like, yeah, I had those moments all the time. And, you know, we, we talk about, you know, don't get stuck in that guilt, then restrict cycle, right. you know, that's, it's an endless cycle. That's, it's a very nasty cycle. And I've been stuck in it many times myself. You restrict, 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 you know, I don't need that. Oh, I, I can do without that. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. Or, oh, I can't make that work. My calories. Oh, that's just, bad. I should yes, avoid you, that. Exactly. You just keep getting stuck in that moment, momentum of all that until you hit that breaking point where you binge. Right. And then you feel guilty because of that binge. Oh, I just ruined all my progress. I knew I couldn't do this. You know, all that negative self-talk starts coming up and then you go right to back to restricting as a result of the guilt. It's right. like, oh, well, now I have to, you know, no more cookies, you know, no more alcohol. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I have to go do lots of exercise tomorrow because I ate like, you know, ate like a fool yesterday. Right. And that cycle just keeps going. And so you have to almost sometimes like kind of feed into that, you know, not letting yourself restrict and give yourself what you want sometimes, even if that means going over calories, which I think a lot of people don't understand. 
And once you're able to do that a few times, you start to realize how it makes you feel. Maybe I don't want to eat that much all the time because it doesn't make me feel good. But you yeah. know, you have to get out of that cycle and start letting go of that guilt when you do have those moments. You know, I, I talked to a lot of my clients about that, finding that balance between grit and grace, you know, finding that grit inside of you when you really want, maybe you do want that, you know, the cookies that somebody brought in to work, but you really don't want them deep down. You just feel like, oh, she brought them in. So I need to have one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe it's that you need to have that little bit of grit to say, no, like I really don't want that. So I'm not going to waste, you know, the calories just to eat that just because, you right. know, but then also you need to have the grace. It's just as important. So that day, if you do overeat, maybe eat five or six of those cookies, you know, don't, don't beat yourself up. It's okay. We're human. We're going to screw up. I still yes. screw up. <laughs> um, but you didn't have that grace sometimes to allow yourself to get through those moments and say, I'm human. I, yes, I enjoyed the cookies. Okay, great. Now what am I going to do for that next meal to get right back on track? Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I, I can appreciate that the logic around having grit, having grace and acknowledging uh, when you quote unquote screw up. And you know, what I would kind of assert is that it's not even a screw up. It's like, look, this is ingrained in our psyche, in our Mm -hmm. physiology to search out and hunt for these sugars and high calorie foods that are going to light up our brain and tell us that, you know, we're going to survive. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like we have to acknowledge that these things are going to happen to some degree. But what I heard you say that that I think really resonates is it's sort of just perpetually training yourself to um, create more awareness around when these things happen, mm-hmm. right? And sort of asserting some what I call logic and reason between the the stimulus and the response, right? Of saying, look, I walked into the break room, the cookies are sitting right there. Before I even knew what was happening, I already ate two of them and sort of looking backwards and saying, whoa, 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 like what just happened? How can I do better next time? What was the stimulus? What was my ingrained response? How mm-hmm. does how does that behavior perpetuate itself in other areas of my life? Right. When when I get home from work and I'm starving, I just turn right to the pantry and I start, you know, pounding the crackers and the chips or drink without thinking while I'm cooking dinner or On the weekends when I'm around certain people, uh, it just Mm -hmm. becomes automatic. But when we can start to identify more awareness around those situations, when we can create space between the stimulus and the response, then we can insert, as as one of my mentors, Dr. Cashy says, you know, when we can start to insert some, some logic and some reason to say, is this something that I want right now? Is Mm -hmm. this something that I plan for? If not, what can I do differently? And I think it sounds like you're continuing to learn and grow from as we all do is the more times we go through these exposures and learn from the quote unquote mistakes, the more we can start to understand our behaviors, the more we can start to change our behaviors and the more we can start to change those feedback loops around stimulus, right? The cookie, eat the cookie. No, the cookie back away, go for a walk right? Go do something else, um, right? All of those usual ingrained behaviors that we find ourselves in. And I think that that's probably one of the most important things as it pertains to the, I screwed up. I ate a meal that was off plan. I ate way too much. 
Now I'm going to feel guilty. You know what? That's not serving you. What would mm -hmm. be serving you is how can I learn and grow from this opportunity? Right? Yeah. What did I do? Why did I do it? Who was I with? What was the situation? And what can I do differently and perhaps better next time? And even start to, as you said, like start to plan for some of these things in the mix. So psychologically, right, we don't have to feel restricted all the time, which is when we do end up probably screwing up the most. It's it's funny you mentioned, you know, the examples you were talking about with like the creating that space between the stimulus and the response. That's something that I've been working on. And actually, you know, just to kind of give an example for with getting through my binge eating episodes that I've been having and you know, this past month, one thing I implemented was I, I identified one of my biggest area weaknesses was right after a 12 hour shift at work, I was stressed, I was tired, I was hungry because most of the time I wasn't getting a break. Yep. And I just didn't even want to think about going home. Even if I had dinner ready in totally. the fridge, I just had to heat it up. I didn't even think about heating it up. My brain was like, stop on the way home, get some junk food. That'll, yep. you know, hit, get that dopamine hit that get you feeling better since you had had a stressful day. Like I deserved quote unquote, right. That junk food because I had a stressful day at work. And so I had to create that space, you know, creating impulse control. My therapist is the one that taught me this. And I don't know if you've heard this or not, like putting sticky notes of like affirmations up around like the house. That way you like, you see them and read them throughout the day. Yeah. Well, yeah. I kind of took that, but then I also integrated it into this, what I'm getting ready to talk about. It's, and I took a sticky note and I put it on my dash of my car and it says, think long-term. Mm -hmm. And there's been many a nights where I've gotten off of work and I went and sat in the car and I'm like, all right, where am I going for this junk food now? Cause like there's a grocery store on the way home. and I would just sit there for a moment and I'd look and I'd see that sticky note sitting on my dash and I'd say, think long-term. What do I really want right now? Do I really want that junk food now? Or do I want the results that I've been wanting later on? Yeah. And so it would, and there was literally sometimes I would sit and stare at that note for like two or three minutes before I would leave the parking lot, convincing myself, go home, eat the food that you already have prepared for you when you get home. You just got to get home, throw it in the microwave. Like it's there. Right. And it takes the unconscious thoughts and makes them conscious, which is my biggest thing for me. Is like I need to create that barrier that says, hey, stop. And you know, I'm waving my hand in front of my face. Like, stop what you're doing right now and think. Mm -hmm. Think out loud if you have to. And you know, so yeah. there's sometimes I'm going home, literally, it's like on the way home, just kind of saying to myself, think long term. What do you really want? You know, I'm just going through that. You know, thankfully I live like three minutes away from the hospital, but like it just it gets me home, and then I'm you know back into my normal routine. Just creating that space, dude, is pivotal, and it's it's identifying the trigger and then helping change the outcome, helping change the the response. Chase, man, um, such a great conversation, so fun catching up with you. It's great to see you again. Tell us where people can find out more about you. Yeah. So I am on Instagram uh, at changing underscore chase. I'm same, same username for on TikTok. And then I'm also, um, you can find me on Facebook, Chase Smith. Um, I also have Chasing Health with Chase Smith as my free Facebook group. Love you having in there. And then, yeah, if anyone's interested in one-on-one um, -on -one coaching, just reach out to me, send me a message. Always happy to help. Or even if you just want to just chat and I can answer your questions, help for you. But thank you for having me on, man. It's been great catching up. 
Dude, absolute pleasure. So we'll have all of those links in the show notes, guys, for anyone listening. Um, Chase, anything else that you wanted to leave our listeners with uh, before we head out? One last thing I'd say is just trust the process. That that's that's been what's honestly kept me going throughout this entire thing. You know, mm-hmm. I I even have a friend got me a mug with that on it. It says trust the process because yeah. guys, there's gonna be a lot of good days, but there's gonna be just as so many bad days. Don't let those define you. Consistent action leads to consistent results. Trust the process. You said it best, brother. All right. Appreciate you. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy your weekend. I will catch up with you later. You too. Talk to you later, man. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you in your nutrition journey for free. One, grab a free copy of my Fat Loss Fix Guide at fatlossfixguide.com. Two, Join my free group at smartnutritionmadesimple.com. Three, subscribe to my YouTube channel at smartnutritionmadesimpletv.com. Four, leave a five-star rating and positive review so that we can gain access to more nutrition experts ready to share their knowledge with you and ultimately help more people make smart nutrition simple. 